Merry Christmas. I don't want to deep space 9 tonight. Oh yeah. Merry Christmas. I don't want to deep space 9 tonight. Oh yeah. Merry Christmas. I don't want to deep space 9 tonight. With you you you. It's time for special family guest night on ROA. Hello and welcome to The Rules of Acquisition. This is a podcast where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, but also sometimes we do other stuff like we are tonight. My name is Wade Bowen. Uh, with me is James Nolan. Hey, guys. Uh, Hugh ain't here. Yeah, we thought we'd do a, a special episode that's not just three assholes talking. I was like three <laughs> so- assholes and a nasty woman. <laughs> that sounds like a that sounds like our new podcast Three. that we're doing. <laughs> this would all be funny if he wasn't president. <laughs> Let me introduce our our special guest tonight. Yes, this is Courtney Bowen. Hey guys. Courtney Bowen is a good friend of mine. Hell, she's family. She's also when I think about one of the people that I think of is like, oh, DS9 fans, you're one of the biggest DS9 fans. I am a huge Deep Space Nine fan. She's also my sister-in-law. I should get that out of the way, probably. Yeah, married to Wade's twin brother. Who we've mentioned before. You you may also remember, if you've listened to the whole podcast, where I referenced my sister-in-law in in the first season. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was like an uncomfortable Christmas afterwards. (laughs) <laughs> it really was, was it? it's like i didn't mean anything bad i said i love you and that she's great i'm not saying anything no, no, bad no. about her yeah it was um uh, actually in reference to kira it was saying that that i was a big fan of the show and that i reminded you of kira but it was after you had just said that kira was like kind of shrill and loud and obnoxious <laughs> and- that's not how i meant i i meant it as i think i said you that. have <laughs> Yeah. James was the, James was super. Uh, I, I will yeah. say that I don't. Yeah, yeah, you guys were, were mean to Kira that first. Let me season. throw James under the to bus. try to. Okay, to try to. In my own defense, I tried to say that I wasn't ever like it wasn't Kira that was a problem. I just didn't like Nana <laughs> visitors' <laughs> performance in that first season. Yeah. I, I, I thought she was playing her particularly shrill. I yeah, can see and, that I that's mean, a narrow distinction. Yeah, and in all fairness, like she does level out, you know. Yes. But, yes. But she's yeah. one of my my favorite oh. characters on the show, so I'm a little protective of her. She is one of the best characters on the show. Yeah. Don't get, especially now, as especially as we go into season three, you will not hear us say much about Nana Visitor. That is not. And, or Kira Norris that is not per, fairly positive, I'd say. Mm-hmm, and sure. the other thing I was I meant was that you you kind of have a passing resemblance to her if we're talking totally superficial. Yeah, like we both have short hair. Yeah, kind of short. <laughs> oh, now I feel like an asshole again. <laughs> no, but, no, actually, I, w- I would take that as a compliment. To look I like was going to say, I don't think any of us yeah. think that's a bad thing. That's totally cool. Like, but, I mean, I look like Avery Brooks, and I talk how much about how much I like Avery Brooks. <laughs> yeah, you wish you looked like Avery <laughs> I Brooks. I do wish I looked like Avery Brooks. I think if yeah, all I'm of not... all three of us, all of the uh, three, uh, me, Hugh, and Wade on the podcast, were being honest, we'd all want to look like Riker, though. Of all the so, talk to me about Kira. What is your? Why do you find her as compelling uh, as you do? The thing I really love about her is just it kind of comes out, and I think it's progress. The you know the episode about when she has to go to the moon to uh, get the one Bajoran settler to move. I was the one guy that hated that episode. Yeah, I know. I don't know what's wrong with you on that. I love that episode. She blows up a kiln at the end, Mm. and Yeah. yeah. So yes. yeah, that was a great one. I love that. It's fascinating because she she did you know she 
used to be this terrorist and she you know she was in the shit and mm-hmm. she uh <laughs> yeah listen to the show but then she has to become a bureau mm-hmm. and i love that transition like i love seeing her kind of uh, figure out okay what's my role now that like as the the terrorist sort of doing my own thing and making my own rules and you know living in this this sort of black and white kind of mentality where there is you know all right and all wrong and no gray in between and then she has to come into this position where you know it's all matters of gray and everything is really complicated like you know you've got all these different factions vying for power and um no one's all good or all bad so i just i find that transition really really fast the character has always been a very compelling character Mm -hmm. so so that that i i find compelling on that i think that once they once the writer's room learned how to write and once the visitor learned how to to sort of to modulate to, to modulate her yeah <laughs> and to give her i mean because she's a character of big emotions and and sometimes that that's not always the easiest to convey and also it seems to me that just generally these star trek productions didn't make great actors huh? right <laughs> like you were a great actor coming in the door or 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 you struggled right and so uh <laughs> I, I don't yeah, know they, what you're talking really about. <laughs> that, yeah, that, yeah, there wasn't a... Could you be more yeah. specific? <laughs> you know, I, I think <laughs> there, too, like... Save your specifics for later. Yeah. yeah I, I think, too, like, during the early 90s, there was definitely this sort of stereotype of, like, you know, strong feminist kind of women. You know, I mean, this was sort of early Hillary Clinton days. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, even, like, Kira's uniform has that sort of look where it's got, like, the big shoulder pads and, yeah, yeah. you know, and then the, like, short haircut. And, you know, I think it, it was, like, they were trying to get her to play into that stereotype. Because at that point, I don't think people really knew how to write strong women characters. And I think particularly yeah. these men did not write yeah. strong female. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we, and over the course of the podcast, we've been learning things off to the side about Michael Pillar, uh, not Michael Pillar, about Richard uh, Rick Berman. Rick Berman that kind of makes my skin crawl about like the way he treated specifically Terry Farrell and uh, the original actress who played Janeway. Oh, the, well, she she didn't last very long at all. But no, I didn't know she, if... she walked off set like, right. because of Rick Berman. Oh, oh was it specifically because of Berman? I, I because she because he wanted her to wear a push-up bra, oh. and she was oh. like a major oh. European actor. Yeah, Terry Farrell has come out. Like pretty yes. strongly and said he was like a chauvinistic, gross asshole. Yeah. And very obsessed with people's tits. Oh, yes. my God. And and that was why the original Janeway, who was a European actress or British actress who played. Uh, she was French, I believe. She was French. If you'd seen Roman Polanski's Jane Eyre or Tess of, Tess of Dubervilles, she, uh-huh. she was a lead in a Roman Polanski movie. Okay. Who's also, you know, whatever. <laughs> she dealt with yeah. she she was <laughs> so able she to deal with Roman Polanski for a whole movie and she walked out right, with well, Rick Berman. Roman Polanski maybe doesn't like large breasts as much. Um, <laughs> yes, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fair sorry. point. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. But um yeah, so she walked out on that. I, I feel like that to talked about how particularly these men didn't know how to I was write. aware of all that. Like I, yeah, I yeah. when you first said like these men don't know how to I was just thinking like, you know, stereotypical nerdy shit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, they just, they just don't the have The white much. nerdy guys in the 90s that were writing sci-fi. I think that that's yeah. totally fair for Iris Stephen Bear. But I think, and I don't know about Michael Piller, I don't want to throw him in either camp, but Rick Berman has a, amongst, from when you go research things, 
He has a reputation. Yeah, like Gates McFadden never got to direct episodes until like later on because he didn't think a woman could yeah. do it. Oh, wow. Stuff like that. Like, yeah. And she's, you know, like Terry Farrell, like at the New York convention I went to, apparently they had a women in Star Trek panel and she she just laid it out. Like he talked about my tits all the time and it was like, oh, yeah. my gosh. It was yeah. bad. Yeah. The producers of the show were particularly not the right people for the job to write or to construct strong female characters. But it seems like they kind of like stumbled into doing it with Q. Yeah, More so they figured out the groove. Yeah. Like, well, they were writing for Roe Lauren. Yeah, that first. is true. And that's an also a reason why in the first season, maybe things didn't work so well. Because, you know, Nana Visitor is a different actor. She brings something right. different to it. They had to change the character a little bit to not be Roe Lauren because she's never been in Starfleet and she's just a former terrorist. And like you were saying, Courtney, I feel like you're probably right that they're like, oh, we know how to write these feminists with their big shoulder pads and their short hair and they're, and they're so hard to deal with all the time. You know, like that kind of so you think shit. That- I think it's related to why, like, you know, Trek romance is never good. You know, it's yeah. always just yeah. kind of creepy and off. And I, I think a lot of it is because they don't write women very well. Yeah, that's a like, is there a good Trek romance? Is there a good Trek romance? I mean, this has been I- a problem with Trek for like, I mean, the romance ones in Next Generation are always the worst episodes. Yeah. Do you remember the new Next Generation episode where they're having to do some sort of negotiation and it's a it's a Troy episode, and, uh, oh, and there's that like half Beta Zed guy, half Beta Zed, who's oh, played by God. the lawyer from yeah. Silicon Valley, who's a great he, actor. It's so creepy in that. Though. It's so creepy and rapey, and she's so into it. Yeah, that when you watch it now from like like any sort of modern perspective, it's not just weird or a throwback. It's like openly distasteful. Yeah, well, it's weird at times. Like, I mean, he's playing with her feet at some point. Yes, there's and, and, and yeah. stuff going on with that. And it's a very, like, it's a very, I generally am pro, like, shows that let the weird sort of nature of human sexuality play out, you know, without a lot of, like, labels or definitions. But this was completely, this but was it completely wasn't intentional to be weird. Like, no, it was not dumb. I mean, it was domination <laughs> for, like, a toxic masculinity's sake, not for, like, yeah. a interesting interplay. Let's say that. Right. This was weird. And this was off tone. And it was definitely like, it was one of those things where you realize that this is not something that would be written today by anyone in Hollywood. Yeah, I hope not. Um, yeah, it, we hope not. <laughs> so, yeah, well, and then hopefully they have enough diversity in the writer's room where someone says like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> are you a, are, are you a serial killer? Yeah, like, why, are, why is this woman writing? This what? is gross and rapey and like weird. And like, this is, and, yeah. yeah. And so it is. And I mean, it, it, otherwise it was a fine episode, but just that entire through line. And it was supposed to be a bad relationship in the show, but it comes yeah, I think off it's as supposed so. supposed to be romantic and it just wasn't. Yeah, I think at the beginning, just from like, if, if I, I think right. just knowing the way writers think, you want the first act to be legitimately romantic mm-hmm. so that there literally is a c- conflict in later on. Not just, oh yeah, that guy's a fucking rapey creep. I need to deep dump him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I think my favorite romantic Star Trek episode up to date, and I, I don't remember spoilers past where we are, but The Forsaken in the first episode of Deep Space Nine with Majel Barrett and oh, Odo. Yeah. I do like that. It's my favorite romance when they're trapped in the elevator. Yeah, that one's I just, I, it's I, just I, sweet. I could give that to... And, you know, I think some of it is like they're yeah. not really trying to do like 
romantic romance. You know, like they they don't do a good job with that. Right. Well, even that Doing is more yeah. companionship. Because Major like, Barrett is Pepe Le Pew with Picard the whole time, but then it's just like yeah. they both they're both good performers, and I don't know that episode was yeah. She's got to hold him in her dreams. And there's like and some true vulnerability like with it. You know, like they really mm-hmm. kind of. I think that's the key. Nobody's ever really yeah. vulnerable unless it's like a man putting a woman in a vulnerable position. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is. Yeah. And you never quite understand why they're attracted to each other. They just, you know, but like with the Odo and Waxana one, I think. Like, yeah, you, you understand. I mean, because they show that vulnerability with one another. And so it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. For them to have this relationship. But you know, creepy Troy. Yeah, I guess it's it's easy as both people are vulnerable right. <laughs> instead of just one person having all the power and the other one being swayed. Right. And, well, that's oh, that's, I, so that's how the original series did, did romance. <laughs> um, yeah, and that that is totally of its time, and that's not what we're talking about here. But uh, yeah, I almost feel like with Forsaken because that was such an interesting romance that that might have almost been done on accident. I don't remember who wrote that episode, but. It seemed like that was unintentional yeah. to be that movie. No, I think it just kind of to happened. be that movie, and lucky. it's probably because no one brings a lot of like concern into the romance of older people. So yeah, you I get think the right, exactly mm-hmm. so that it's not full of hang up. So you might actually get more writing, right. better writing from it because it, you know they think it's yeah. gross. So you're not gonna like. Yeah, they don't want to show like too old. No guys. male writer. <laughs> yeah. Let's put it this way. No. No male writer is putting their own weird shit into it. So they're not puffing up yeah. the man to be like, you know, awesome man. <laughs> or and or, put, or putting yeah. up the woman to be shrill. So you don't get like Melora, which is the, the worst oh, of the romance. God, yeah, that, I, that, that, uh, I, I don't know. Second Sight was pretty yeah. bad. Too. Second Sight was <laughs> atrocious too. Oh my God. But yeah, actually, you, Melora was, um, when I first started watching Deep Space Nine, like back when it first aired... You know, I was this huge Next Generation fan, and so I was so excited about this new series, and I made it through to Melora, and at that point, I was like, I'm done. I just, I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> I just killed it, and it, it took me years to come back to this it. This is not good for me. That's a dist- that's an atrocious episode. I keep going back to the weird episode somewhere in season one, where everybody gets, like, a wish person, oh, and God, Bashir gets a sexually yeah. a sexually permissive <laughs> Dax. Yeah. yeah. Beggars. Yeah. If wishes were horses. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, or, or you have sex positive Dax. Yeah. Well. Oh yeah. And Bashir gets sex. Well, he gets yeah, like, no, like too. just like bimbo Dax. I like sex positive Dax. Like great. Because <laughs> that's a self possessed woman going after whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. That this was like, this was sex bot Dax. And that was yeah, gross. Yeah, very, like, and that was so openly and... gross. And they never dealt with it as this should be an element to, Dax. This is creepy to Dax. But instead, she's like, yeah. "Oh, you know, we like invaded your privacy, Julian. Like, <laughs> no, you know, you're the victim here. <laughs> this is the textbook of a of a hostile work environment. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I'm not necessarily saying it's Bashir's fault, but like, this did happen. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> right, yeah. Dax Gibson's just like, oh, well, you know, everybody has fantasies, and then she's creeped out by it. Later. Of course, she's creeped out by it because it's incredibly <laughs> creepy. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's fine. It's like, wait, no, this is not okay. I take it so, back. So I don't know why you what even go down that? that avenue of the story yeah. if, if you're not going to want to unpack these things, but I don't know. 
But it seems like the show does level out in season three with in, and afterwards, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, and you start to see that in season two. Like, I, I think yeah. season two, it starts to level out, but. Yeah, no, yeah. no. I, I it just, starts, but it's not very. I mean, yeah, but I mean specifically with this sort of gender relations issues. A lot of people like the shit on Keiko O'Brien, but I think they're fine. They yeah, think, how do you feel about that? Courtney? They all are married, though. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I think it, it goes back to like there aren't enough women in the writers' room. I mean, because yes. poor Keiko, like she comes across as being just sort of nagging, and you know, and it's like, well, she just had to move to this frontier station that. You know, like she was on the the flagship of the Enterprise, where she had her like arboretum and you know a purpose, and it was like a nice place to raise your kids. And she goes from that to this frontier station that doesn't even have a school, and yeah. you know, and of course she's kind of unhappy. She hasn't, you know, there's nothing for her to do there as a botanist, and then there's nowhere for her kid to be a kid, mm-hmm. and there's no like you know, even like an educational system. You know, when she complains, everybody's like, why is she so naggy? And it's like, well, she just gave up everything to follow her husband here. Yeah. And it sort of sucks. When people start laying into Keiko, it's like, what are you talking about, man? She she got a raw deal. Of course she's like annoyed and unhappy. (laughs) And that's not a thing that military, that's expected of military wives now. I mean, this is an outpost. This isn't necessarily, I mean, like, a military base is in, like, Indiana. They're not, like, in the Sinai Peninsula. Right, yeah. Like, even on a military base, like, there's some structure. Is adjacent to a normal life right. of which the families are accustomed to. Even if you do live in, like, overseas in Germany or something, it's still, like, it's Germany or it's it's, it's Japan. It's not like you're living near active war zones or, right. you know, right at the forefront of the Dominion attack. Right. right. And I don't under, like, why don't they set up a base, like... Like, why doesn't she live on Bajor? And why doesn't yeah. she go visit her on weekends? <laughs> like, Which, I mean, eventually, I, well, th- I think they do. I mean, that's probably spoilers. Yeah, he but. does in season three when they decide that they need to get rid of her. Yeah, yeah they need to They need to set up the the <laughs> O'Brien Bashir shipping. That thing. is exactly why they did that. That's actually like, like the best Trek romance is Bashir and O'Brien. It is. It is. Yeah. Or Bashir, or yeah, Bashir and Garrick. Oh, yeah. The ba- Bashir is yeah. the Rory Gilmore of this show and is in love with multiple boys that you can like depending on who you, <laughs> who you feel uh, more tied to. Um, so other than Kira, where else do you feel that like we, we were just totally getting it wrong? Okay, so this is a, a more recent one. and it's, And this is not like a oh, y'all are just wrong. Because I agree with, like, you know, probably 90% of it. But mm-hmm. I'm trying to, oh, I think it was during the, the Maquis episode. Uh, there was this, arg- I think Wade made this argument that, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Wade, that okay. oh, yeah. Picard was, like, the company man. And and he That's is. Right. He is definitely, like, the company man. He's, like, the idealist. and But I felt like you guys were, like, so shitting on him for it. Like... <laughs> You know, it's just sort of like, well, well, Picard is going to, like, toe the, the Federation line and fuck him. He sucks. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I don't want to go that far with it. And, and, like, I totally agree that, like, you know, Cisco is the more interesting captain to watch because he's not the company man. And, you know, he's not the one that, you know, is just going to toe the line um, that makes him so much more interesting to watch. And, and you know, I think... You know, I mean, he's my favorite of the captains, definitely. But I just, and I, I so want to pull in like later episodes, and I'm not going to do that. Yeah. But I, I keep wondering, like, 
So, you know, when you have someone like Picard, who is the idealist, like, doesn't that serve a good purpose at some point? Like, what happens when we lose our ideals? You know, like, maybe start following our own consciences, like Cisco does, where, you know, he will bend the rules, like in the Maquis, he's going to let his old friend come back into Starfleet without, you know, no questions asked, Mm -hmm. no consequences. He saved the uniform. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. You know, like, he, he's going to kind of follow his own judgment. And what happens when we do that? I mean, as a society versus, you know, having like the Picards of the world who are always going to be the idealist and always stand up for our ideals and our values. And, you know, like when we start like, you know, murkying the waters, isn't that when we get like, you know, the U.S. Trump. and torture or, you know, we start giving up our civil liberties. Yeah. Sorry, that's kind of long. Well, my my whole point was Picard doesn't leave any room for forgiveness. Mm. That's what I liked about Cisco. Like, he's oh. like, I I'll take it that I view Picard towards the way she drew him. And I think that it's the problem is that that Picard is a rule of law guy. And that he is a, this is, that the Federation is a, it's a noble, not just a noble organization, but that the philosophy is a refined philosophy for governance, that it's the way we're supposed to, as a country, look at the Constitution. And so no one man is above it. So if his best friend had joined the Maquis, he wouldn't let him back. He wouldn't ever offer him the back door in. Where oh, yeah, I do admire nothing with Picard. With Picard, yes, like here. yes. Yeah. He, you could be once you pay your debt. You know whatever that debt is, he would welcome you in because the rule of law says that's then allowed, but not until you do pay that debt. Cisco is more of a case by case basis, and he's more of a. And we, I feel like maybe we use this point, this word to the to the point of meaninglessness, where he's pragmatic. Oh, yeah. Which is actually a system of philosophy. You know, all of these different rules are, are used to function towards a goal. If the tool doesn't work in this case, you use a different tool. I, I get the slippery slope argument. I view it more in line with that Cisco is someone like, uh, I hate to reference another work, but there's a scene in Lincoln, in Steven Spielberg's Lincoln, where in the script, or he's talking to he's talking to Tommy Lee Jones, who plays the radical mm-hmm. Republican leader. I can't remember. And he was like, he says to Lincoln that you, you've you lost your focus. You've lost your where you're going. And Lincoln says that, you know, in a compass, you can know that you're wanting to go north. But you don't know if you're going to cross a creek or a river. Sometimes turn not north to get to your final destination. And I think that is more interest or more inclined to sort of that what it takes nature. Yeah. And I think that you're right. Uh, it's a messy, it's a messy path. Me personally, well, part of it is like, we're doing a podcast about deep space nine. So I, I have to find every <laughs> excuse to, I mean, Cisco is my guy, man. I'm doing a podcast about it. Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. But no, I, I got to, I got to find, I do feel, but I mean, I'm not. Right. And, and like, I don't want to make it sound like, like, I think that the Picard line is always right. Like, I, oh, I you know, like I actually really love, how pragmatic Cisco is. Like, I think that is, Mm -hmm. you know, um, so compelling and, you know, it just makes for better stories. And, and even in real life, I think, yeah, sometimes that's the way to go. I just don't want to like completely lose the Picard idealism. Well, I don't think one is always wrong and one's always right. Does that make sense? I think sometimes Picard is daddy. (laughs) And I think we want dad to be like a, a, a man of a rule of law, man, a man where when your life gets all fucked up and you don't know what to do and this girl 
dumped you and you're getting <laughs> shitty grades and you thought that you had this plan and it was all going to work and it's all went to shit and you don't know what to do. You can go to dad. Dad will set you right. Yeah. And I feel like that that's that's every episode of Next Generation. <laughs> like, War fucks up and makes bad decisions. Or Wiker fucks up and Worf, makes bad no. decisions. Actually, Worf always makes the right decision. No one listens to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Shut up, Worf. It's like, what? He's yeah, except in that first season where he shot everything before he found out what <laughs> it was. Worf, no! They all go back to Daddy, and Daddy sets it straight. And not like Daddy goes to the to the person and like fixes the problem for you in that that is welcoming too. Mm-hmm. And then like I feel like Cisco is like a, a, a more of a, a sort of a grown up like when you don't have a daddy and you go to like the older brother. You go to like your boss and your boss is like, I don't know. You gotta fix this part. Shit, I could fire you at the end of it or I could not. Depends on what you end up bringing me, you know? <laughs> and and I think that that's that's more of a grown up sort of view of it. And so when you when you get in life and you 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 start having kids and you can't go back to your parents for help with your no offense uh, never mind wait I didn't mean to like say that not having kids doesn't make you a real adult but <laughs> oh, yes you can say that that's fine oh I live I live a privileged fucking life here in in hipster Brooklyn but I think that the idea that Cisco is not is sort of removed from that youthful security blanket. Where Picard is that youthful security blanket. And I think that's, as an adult, I think that that's just why I'm much more compelled to Cisco because I feel like I can make the decisions that Cisco's making where I can never sort of live up to daddy. Oh, yeah. I mean, no question. He is definitely the more compelling of the two. Does Cisco, no one ever talks about the benefits that Cisco's character has over Picard, but is it a benefit to Cisco that he actually deals face to face with like two legitimate, well crafted villains? Where you have the Cardassians and you have the Dominion. Oh, you mean Cisco? And, yeah. Yeah, that Cisco gets to sort of rub against these political philosophies. So his political philosophy becomes more apparent and obviously by, by contrast better. And they spend a whole TV show dealing with it, whereas Picard has to do it a new thing every week. Yeah, I, I think right. Picard had the the Borg, which I mean that that doesn't that's not a deep philosophy. Just do do you want to join the nothing or do you want to be an individual? And that's about it. There's no sort of ongoing right. multi episode conflict that he has. Right. Yeah, it's more about a relationship with. Yeah, I mean, like with Cisco and Ducat, or even Cisco and like the Dominion. I mean, there's you know you're not just looking at the sort of nameless Borg individuals because mm-hmm. I mean, they're not even individuals, but not, he's looking at this person that it's not gets. a force of nature. It's people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, and Fering even yeah. the things that aren't like the arch villains, like Ferengis or Quark and the, the Klingon culture, you know, he, he has to deal with all of this stuff. And so it's more, you get to see, you get right. to see. And it's not just like the alien of the week. Yeah. It's like, well, there's Quark, the Ferengi, yes. you know, that he's got to learn to deal with. Or, you know, Galron later yeah. on or Martok. Or, so you know. the most the <laughs> important question, I don't know about, I don't know about Wade, but I, I, I've I been wanting to have people on this show to ask them. Um, what are your thoughts on the Viet Cong? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh. I, I don't know if I can say anything that hasn't already been said about the Viet Cong. On this podcast. Yes. <laughs> if I was giving myself a general critique over my critiques in the season, I I would say that I want the show, because the show is an introduction to the, the messy world of military politics. And not just not just military, but politics and how militaries are used in politics. And the show gets into very interesting 
areas. But I do think that I would like, probably to a fault, to see we live in a particularly messy world of politics right now. And a part of me wants to yearn to see that more reflected in the show. And so I think that I like it when, yeah, Paradise, where there is a legitimate theory against the Federation's sort of state of living. I view us as America as a country that, okay, fine, for the last eight years was moving towards a better (laughs) future. And I believe that we just rejected that better future for little reasons. And I think that that's what Paradise was about. They didn't like the smaller elements of the Federation and the state of modernity in the 24th century. So they wanted to go back to plowshares and you know, local food and all that sort of crap. And like, you know, not using antibiotics and, you know, vaccines cause autism, space autism. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it's a Jill Stein planet paradise. And I think that that is a thing that happens and that shows the messy world of politics today where everything is just too fucking messy. Where like, you just want to say, can't you understand that the ACA is a fucking good thing, people? And they can't for whatever reason because it's because they're, I don't know. And I think that that was like i like it when the show gets into those areas yeah maybe but like i i have to realize that this was a network television a syndicated network television show in the early 1990s and so i'm trying to make right yeah Yeah. (laughs) slow your roll there buddy you know we're talking about like the early 90s so this is like what five six years like after the cold war like you know the wall has just come down Mm -hmm. you know and so like Leading up to this, there was always this kind of like good versus evil, you know, us versus them. You know, so like I think they were coming from that viewpoint and then very slowly they begin to make it more and more complicated and they start showing more shades of gray and -hmm. and you start getting more strains of like this sort of like anti-colonialism. Yeah. You know, but it's it's like and, bit yeah, yeah. by bit, step by step, you know, like I don't think at the second season they had really realized this is where we want to go. And I think that but I think they get there. You know, eventually. Yeah. And I think that probably all three of us went to college in the late 90s, early 2000s, where all of our professors were steeped in anti-colonialism theory. Mm-hmm. And so we want right, to like right. see more of that. Oh, but yeah. I don't, you know, like. I don't. Yeah, you're right. It was. It's ridiculous to hold them to a standard to have more of that in 1994. I think what we get from it is good enough. You know, the best we could have helped. You know, hopefully. Right, and like pretty amazing for the time, if you think about. Oh, it. I agree. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah. And there's some stuff in there, like. Yeah. You know, I feel like they predict, and I mean, I won't, you know, be too specific because I don't want to do spoilers. But there are so much like throughout the series. Where I'm like, wow, they really predicted yeah. like a lot of stuff that happened. <laughs> like, oh yeah. The only thing they I didn't mean, predict is like Katrina. You know, like New Orleans is like still standing. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. So much of of what happens in the series, I'm like, oh, I feel like we lived through that. I guess we're we're starting to round the bend here towards the end of our time, but you know, let's just let's just take some time. We haven't gone over a few things with you. Let's go through some characters that you get your opinion on. A few characters. <laughs> uh, O'Brien's great, right? Oh, I love O'Brien. Yeah, yeah. see? Yeah, uh, yeah sorry, yeah. Hugh, but I, I love That's O'Brien. That's not a unanimous opinion on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, not on the podcast. Hugh, who we know who's not here, hates O'Brien. And since we're not, he's not here to defend himself, we'll just yeah. 
make statements about what he believes. I know. <laughs> like, sorry, Hugh, but I, yeah, O'Brien is great. I mean, he's just like the every man. He's, he's great. Know, like, I, I love, you know, the episode where he's like playing tennis against Bashir and he's just so fed cool. up because he's got fat and old. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you, know, Wait, you, loved, you loved him in that episode. You didn't love that I mean, episode. I think I was a defender of rivals. No, I hated the episode, but I love that scene. I think I was like, I'm okay. I like this one. And, and James and he were like, what? No, this is shit, man. Shut that up. That was the first know. one where I we... Mean, I, I tried to defend Because we're it. just now getting out of that period where you, you, you said you were screaming against how wrong we are. <laughs> <laughs> like, there was a... There yeah, was a I, like I said, that was mostly over Kira. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so O'Brien's great. How do you feel about Bashir? Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so here's my confession. I think Bashir is like so totally hot. Like he he's Everyone just does. sexy oh and goodness. hot and wait. But the actor, like, no, I know, the, I know. Alexander Sigdig is fucking hot. Yeah, Even yeah. still, do you watch Game yeah. of Thrones? Um, did you think he was hot on Game? I mean, other than he was in a wheelchair. I have but. not watched Game. Of, well, I watched like the first episode of Game of Thrones, and it was just so rapey. I just I couldn't. I was like, I gotta have a bath or something. Oh, it doesn't. It doesn't get any better. It doesn't get any better. So <laughs> that's what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> Putting Game of Thrones aside, did you think, like, in his shiny onesie from Rivals, where you like, oh yeah, <laughs> let me get more of that onesie? No, no, With, that doesn't work. Because <laughs> um, that's and, like, and, like this weird lanky guy. And, and I will totally admit that the character Bashir is like, he's just annoying as hell, especially in the early seasons. He's so annoying. Yeah. But he's cute. And you know, it's like the same reason that a lot of guys like Dax, I think, you know, so I can't mm-hmm. get too high and mighty. Is Dax really attractive? I don't even know. I mean, you know what? I think Kira's cuter. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm, I, I'll am i be the voice of dissent here and say, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think Terry Farrell is still super hot. Oh yeah, I mean she's an attractive woman. You she know? is attractive and, by every metric of of society. I I agree with that. They go places with her character. Where I'm going to say is that Dax's storyline gets co opted into a character I like much more. So therefore, I like her more because every time there's a scene with her, there's a scene with a character I like more. So well, yeah, that's, uh, like the Dax character is great. Yeah. I mean, I think it's you know one of the, be on the best ones on the show. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah yeah. I mean like I just I don't. I don't really like Terry Farrell, <laughs> um, which I, I know that probably pisses off a lot of people, but um, but like well, Dax I, is just, I love Dax. Unfortunately, I think everyone else who plays Dax or the series does a better Dax than she does. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem with Terry Farrell is that, I mean, you know, the Dax character is it's really complicated. I mean, you've got, you know, this yeah. young woman in her 20s, but the experience of you know, someone who's like 300 years old and has had all these lifetimes and different careers. And I just don't think she can pull off that depth. Like she just, yeah, she seems sleepy all the time. And did you say sleepy? Yeah. That's a perfect. So oh, that's a perfect. Because I've been trying to talk about it. Cause even, even in the third season, like that I've been watching, you know, she's awful. Yeah. I'm trying to, she didn't turn to... a corner at the end of the second season. Like everyone else in the show did. She's, there's a look over there she's fine no she's not she's not okay she may be physically fine but she brings no energy to any scene she's in she doesn't have chemistry with anyone she i think that they don't they don't give her anything interesting she as a actress is not interesting right. or she doesn't know how to bring interest into anything 
a life, a joie de vivre, like all of these things that she's supposed to have. There's like thousands of stories. We've seen like a hundred like things of Cisco talking about how fun Curzon was. Right. And like kind of a dick. Like he makes Curzon sound like Han Solo. Like he was hanging out <laughs> with old Han Solo. And like I want to see Han Solo played by like a 20 year old girl, but that's not what I'm getting. I'm getting bored girl. Right. Bored Hollywood girl. Yeah, like the, the most distinctive thing about her seems to be that she just calls Cisco Benjamin all the time. <laughs> and it, it's about six syllables long. <laughs> Benjamin, yeah. I think you should look at this. Okay, I, I gotta stand up for it. She's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, from everything I've read, as a person who people may hear this, I don't know who all hears this podcast. Terry Farrell seems like a great person. I'm sure she's uh, Terry Farrell. Terry Farrell. Terry Farrell, did I call it? Perry Farrell, the lead singer of Jane's Addiction, seems like an awful human being. He's a shitbag. He seems like a shitbag. Terry Farrell. Wonderful. uh, Seems like a... Farrell. Did we just start calling her? We're mispronouncing her name on purpose, but now I just know that I don't know I think I always say Farrell. That's not right, is it? Terry, it's Terry Farrell. It's Farrell? Not shit. Now I for Now I'm for... It's Terry Farrell. We're calling her Terry Farrell because... Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction calls it that. It started off as a joke, but we're now so acclimated to it. Yeah, yeah, we still we haven't. Well, I, I we, feel kind yeah. of bad like shitting on someone but not getting their name right. Like, yes, yeah. no, I agree. And she seems like a <laughs> yeah. marvelous. I think, the, person. I think the least of it is her mispronunciation. <laughs> I think our mispronouncing her name is the least of like the damage. I think people. that that's something she can say if. God forbid Terry Farrell ever hears this podcast. She's going to say, at least those assholes can get my fucking name right. Uh, I think we're fine. You think she's fine. Yeah. She's just not here to say. So, I, yeah, okay, just, so, so Courtney, what is your opinions on Odo? Oh, okay. So Odo is like another favorite character on the show. First of all, and I never say his name right. Renee. Oh, we didn't get to do it until yeah. like, yeah. we probably o- still don't. Aubergenois. Aubergenois. So I think you're supposed to think like the the French pronunciation of the eggplant, uh, okay. aubergine, <laughs> aubergineois. But he is an amazing actor. He is so incredible. You know. So I think the fact that like I mean he is he, he's such the monotone straight guy. Just and I love him with Quark. I mean you know just watching mm-hmm. the two of them is amazing. How do you feel about Quark? It's just fantastic. Do you feel he's overused? Oh no, I can't mm-hmm. get enough Quark. Like I love the Ferengi episodes. You love the Wallace Shawn? Well, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who doesn't like Wallace Shawn, you asshole? Yeah, it's Wallace Shawn. <laughs> like, duh. One of the reasons that that I just love what he does with the Ferengi is, I mean, like, you know, on the next generation, the Ferengi were just so one note. It was just, mm-hmm. you know, and they were like almost a kind of trolls. And, and, and it was almost, can we, can we be honest here? It was a little bit offensive because it was, uh, it was a lot tied towards the stereotype, uh, 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 totally untrue stereotype yeah. towards a, 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 a religious group of people. Is it the protocols <laughs> yes, exactly. of the elders of Ferenginar? Yes. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> But I think there's more of a depth to it on DS9. Definitely. Like, it's not right. just, look, these are little I, trolls. I mean, I like, think, you know, like, the fact that, you know, it's pretty gross, like, the way they, they treat women. But I love that Quark just sort of owns it. Like, all the, the sort of things that we look at the Ferengi and we, we go, oh, that's just gross and, and ignorant and, you know, primitive or whatever. Quark will be like... You know, I'm a Ferengi with Ferengi values, and there's a reason we think these things. And 
I kind of like that he just sort of owns it. That yeah, you know, instead of it being like this is just He's a not, throwaway kind. Yeah, of thing. I I think the key to what makes the Ferengi so great and that would make Iris Stephen Bear want to keep writing for him is one maybe he wrote for them when he was on TNG. But also, Possibly. he's got Armin fucking Shimmerman. Yeah. Like, yeah. Armin Shimmerman is the you're guy right. that you want to write for, probably. Cause you're right. You're right. Armin Shimmerman is a unique, <laughs> and that's probably true. And I think that that's, I, I, I'm notoriously, I haven't watched Voyager. You've notoriously not watched Enterprise. I would imagine that that's why there's so many Doctor episodes in Voyager. Oh, yeah. He's the it's, best part of it. Oh, it's not God. just that it's an interesting concept, but that Richard Picardo is, a. I mean, uh, what's her name? Uh, Kate Mulgrews is amazing. And I especially love that her career has got a second life now. She's found a, a career in her 60s that's great, too. And do, she's doing interesting stuff. Kate Mulgrew is awesome. Yeah. Richard Picardo is the best actor on that show. And I think that and probably Richard Picardo seems like a great, fun guy to be on set with. Maybe Colt Kate Mulgrew doesn't seem that way. So, like, I think that they wrote. I think she is now more yeah, so than, than yeah. she was on. I know that Voyager. there was a lot of issues. Like, I know Brandon Braga is a cunt. So, I mean, like, I'm not, like, I know that like there's a whole sort of like <laughs> I, cut that out. <laughs> Voyager's a problem. <laughs> like, and Voyager had like all kinds of issues between their creator and their lead. So, I don't know. I don't know. Why I wasn't there. But Richard Picardo seemed like the kind of guy that you would want to write shows for. Professional. And he was on Gremlins. He was on. So, he was on yeah. the entire Joe Dante. I think he's in every Joe Dante movie. <laughs> so I think that probably Armin Shimmerman is the same. I do <laughs> feel like there's a lot of episodes, and I feel like specifically in season two and maybe even in season three, where we're seeing a lot of times that there wasn't enough minutes for the story they wanted to tell. And I feel like a lot of times there's these perfunctory quirk scenes added in. It's just like what crazy antics is quirk up to? I think now? he fits in a lot of episodes. I felt like. In the season two, they didn't. They knew he was popular, uh-huh. and they they obviously they haven't figured out Cisco at all. Every time we talk about how great Cisco is, it's always something in the future. Oh, yeah. and, and so they're trying to figure out where. And Bashir is clearly not working, and Dax is clearly not working. I think that they just they they know that O'Brien is a definite worker, and they don't. They're not comfortable writing Kira because. You know, it's just like four, <laughs> four, fat, four fat nerds. Like, and so, like, I think that we just this season, we just got Quark and O'Brien episodes and it was punishing to me, even though I get why they're popular and I get why they're great. Yeah. I mean, you know, if I, if I have the choice between like a Quark episode or like watching Terry Farrell, Pretend like she's 300 years old. I'm going Quark every time. At this point, I feel like Odo and and even, yes, Armin Shimmerman are maybe, and definitely Avery Brooks in season two, are definitely better actors than the writers know what to do with them. You know, I think I've even heard like, and I can't remember who it was, if it was Michael Piller or Rick Berman, but I, I remember an interview somewhere where they sort of owned up to not knowing what to do with Avery Brooks. Like, they didn't realize I even what a great actor they had on their hands until, like, a couple of seasons in. And then they went to see I, him in, like, a one-man show, like, a you know, some yeah. theater thing he was doing. And they were like, oh, <laughs> we need to be writing for this guy. Like, why aren't we doing yeah, we're this? We're about to get to that point where they figure that out, right? Yeah, actually, he was oh, referring okay. – that was Iris Stephen Bear at the beginning when he gets control of the writer's room. I, okay, I okay. watched the same <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, you're totally right on that. And it's when he got control of the writer's room that he realized, like, why this guy, he wants to go see him in a Paul Ro- Maybe that was the, it, yeah. Paul Robeson? Like, I guess the man who's saying Old Man River? <laughs> but, yeah, yeah like, oh, like wait, that. we're sitting on this, this actor yeah. who is so talented and just incredible, and we're not mm-hmm. utilizing him. Like... We got to do some shit with them. They have all of this interesting stuff going on with Dax and and, and they need to, and, and Terry Farrell, I mean, she, I don't know. In my mind, she gets there and like, but is that like, I can't think of when she true? does. Well, like, listen, you know, and, and I think some of it is, I, I really do love the Dax character so much and I feel kind of angry. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know that she ever quite. Pulls I feel it the all. same way about T'Pol and Enterprise, yeah, where exactly. I feel like that's a it's super interesting character, and yeah. they they hired a porn star, <laughs> uh, which yeah. is like a, she, that's an extreme version of Dax, where it was like this extremely overly sexualized, attractive lady, right, and playing this character that in no way would be that. Yeah, <laughs> but, mm, yeah I haven't seen um, as much of Enterprise. All right, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, you haven't seen... Whoa, 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 you haven't seen Enterprise? I've seen the first two seasons, th- but... The third season um, sucks, and then the second season, they actually try to do all the heavy lifting of all Star Trek lore. Yeah. <laughs> they try to solve, like, the the, the Klingon face problem, right. oh, the goodness. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. on the same page. I haven't seen it. That's a, that's a thing we've talked about. And Voyager, I haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, we're actually trying... We're going to try and theoretically fundraise so that we can do a Twitch <laughs> streaming yeah. of us watching the entire... Yeah. Like I guess it would be four straight days oh, wow. of, of us locked in a hotel room, like <laughs> of us locked in a hotel room and watching Enterprise and shit. We're gonna do a like we've been in a cult and we're gonna deprogram us. I have a soft spot for Enterprise. I think it's you know it's, it was better than like when I it first came on. Like I listened to that theme song and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm done." <laughs> yeah, well, and then went back. <laughs> like, I didn't make it past which, the theme song. <laughs> You know, I think that's an honest. The I think that, I think that's an honest, acceptable response. <laughs> but you know, I haven't watched it either. So. Yeah. The first time I heard it, I laughed out loud. <laughs> I was like, "Really? They're doing this?" Like, I don't even know what that means. It's a Brad like, Adams song. Of the heart. I'm like, "What the fuck is that?" I mean, I'm mm-hmm. a minister, and I don't know what "faith of the heart" means. <laughs> that's some bullshit. <laughs> phrase i don't know i feel like there was one thing i was gonna ask you it was season two really we got the Viet Cong. we got dax we got that, i got i did all that yeah. uh spit roast uh <laughs> spit roast. Um, i i have a really uh good friend who listens to the podcast and like the day after the spit roast thing i just get a text from her that just said spit roast question mark <laughs> oh you had to explain it to her <laughs> Don't we have an edited version where just we just went through all of the awful sexual terms? <laughs> Do we? I think I don't know. I just I remember uh, us going through all of them because I, then I remember like that. I'm sure we've had those conversations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we tried not to be as lewd as possible, but I don't want to. I want to keep it. You know, a th- there should be like a topic episode where you just you know go through all the like kind of creepy Trek romance I'm, and then all of your like terminology. I'm fascinated with sex in Star Trek. I will say that. I think that this show, like, is an interesting... Even in the 60s, this show wasn't prudish about sex. But I think that that's... Uh You could say that it was like a James Bond sort of era. Uh But, like, in the late 90s, we were kind of prudish about sex, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. But this show wasn't. I mean, this show, like... It wasn't wasn't in the way that Rick Berman likes big boobs. (laughs) But it wasn't the way that Riker might go out on a date with a... 
androgynous species, but it can't be played by a man. Yeah, if, yeah. They, I uh, mean, and, and every yeah. time Cisco gets eyes for a woman, it's got to be a black woman, even though like we should all be removed from that. And like the the yeah. In yeah. second part of that, I yeah. think is part of that might be Avery Brooks. Even his, You're, co- I was talking to a, a friend of, about that just tonight, and cause, I mean that's a, a big criticism she has. You know that it's like why why is he always you know just shown with black women and and then she was like you know i think next generation like you know jordy dates a white woman and i was like yeah but she was a hologram so i mean it's weird it's always kind of weird like i i feel like he doesn't have to date a white woman to be progressive. No, no, of course you know? not. It's like he could, but it's you not know? just. And at the that, same time, the alien. No, I, he I, date, mean, I think he dated like, an alien, and the alien was yeah, played by alien. a black. Well, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's well, like that, you know, there's a little bit of like you know racism hiding under there that you know we're not going to show this black yeah. man with a white woman. You know, it's, or that, that, yeah, that's there's. Or it's not racism. I don't, then, I don't have any defense of second sight. Yeah. Let me let me put if that out racism, there. If not racism, then let's say race racial spinelessness by the part of mm. the producers. But I think you're right in that Avery Brooke is a very racial person. He's made a big thing about it that he wanted Cisco to have a son, that he wanted Cisco to be an active father for a son, and all of this is about you know sort of community building. And uh-huh. outside of yeah. Spencer yeah, for Hire, been- the only other thing that people know Avery Brooks from other than this is uh, American History X, which is obviously all about racial confrontations. So, I mean, yeah. he's an actor who obviously views social activism as a part of his craft. But you go back, like, even, yeah. like, like, the way that Tasha Yar and Data's relationship is treated, even, like... Later on, when Data sort of self-actualizes himself is that he's had a sexual escapade with a human being, sort of used that as a defense of that he was a person, that Star Trek has just always been a little bolder than television in general about sex. Right, or even having like the sex-positive Dax, who, yes. you know, mm-hmm. and she's not being a slut, she's, you know, she's kind of open about it. Yeah. She's got a boy toy. Like, that was yeah. almost a point in that episode, is that that guy sees that man in her apartment who's a bodybuilder yeah. type. Like, he's clearly like a trophy <laughs> boy. He's, they, <laughs> they're men. We wrestled. Yes. Or, except they're not men. She, I, she used uh, to be a man, but yeah. Yeah, but. <laughs> it's wrestling is very good in the morning, but she totally fucked up. Yeah, she does. But she also that, tells but, but, Cousin Oliver that he should also, quote unquote, wrestle with him. <laughs> is there any more that you wanted to say? Ah, no. Uh, no, I think I'm good. We didn't talk about Blood Oath enough. I, I that's my general feeling on this podcast oh, yeah. going forward is we don't talk about the episode <laughs> Blood Oath enough. But no, Blood Oath is pretty awesome. Yeah. Like for me, it'd be progress. Like yeah, that's that's yeah. your formative early progress episode. Progress is probably my favorite. Yeah, I, I we love had a it. Uh, difference yeah. of opinion on progress. Where I, I'm with you, Courtney. I love progress. And uh, I... what's the name? Of the actor had a real kind of sad. Late, later life but uh, uh, brian keith yeah yeah it's like two first names i thought he wasn't yeah. very good in the episode but i i, love I know like, i know i, I know yeah. i'm alone yeah. in this and i'm gonna accept it and yeah. i'm not gonna fight it but like but, i mean actually that's you know that's such a great cure yeah episode that was where, the cure turning you know, corner for me it started in that I, I will give you that i my yeah. issues with that were not was not cure's performance right right i know you and i think he was that miscast. was miscast sure yeah yeah, I, I don't want to fight like, that battle because I yeah, feel like, like I'm we wrong. Already this, so. yeah. Oh, crossover. Is that the thing? How do you feel about the mirror universe? Yeah. Do you oh, got anything to Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan uh-huh. of the Is mirror. it the coincidences I mean, of 
like how would all these people get together or what is your issue with me? Yeah, I mean that like I had that thought. I don't think I held on to it quite as long as, as you It is a thing. <laughs> I can't get over it. I mean, no, it's it's more of um I was kind of weirded out with like Kira's own sexual attraction to herself. I mean, I think she's a really attractive woman, but you know, that's kind of weird to be that into yourself. Yeah, she's a little Buffalo Bill about it, right? <laughs> yeah. I think that that's where robot voice <laughs> took it. Um, I, uh, Although I do kind of like um, uh, uh, Cisco in that episode. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just kind of fun watching him be this sort of roguish, yeah, Han Solo character. Yeah, like Cisco, um, and I was like, Avery Brooks a little ridiculous in that, and you're like, that's one thing I liked. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of dug it. I dug it. Yeah, and yeah. I like I mean, O'Brien's little speech, you know. Like, but yeah. in general, but, you're creep. You, on the whole, it's not my favorite because of the Kira on Kira. Because I was intrigued, like I said, I like I said earlier in this podcast, I'm 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 into weird sexual stuff, and that was weird, and I was like, I was super into that, not. Not because I'm a pervert, but because I'm interested in human people and how they react to sexuality. <laughs> All right. That's fine. It's fine if you're a pervert, man. We're accepting it. If you're a pervert, it's fine. I've man. been it's married fine. to one woman for 17 years. I don't know. How long have I been? 60, 15 years. I don't know. 15 years. I've I been with her for like, 17 years. I don't know. I was there. I don't remember. I was like, with her for 17 hard, years. Man. No, I'm a normal dude. But nonetheless, in work, something, I like to see like that kind of like people exploring natures of themselves and so that part i didn't i didn't bother me but everything else in the episode did except for o'brien's speech which was which, which was pretty sweet uh, but uh, in general it starts the mirror universe episodes and i hate those so and there's more i mean like they they start coming pretty fast yeah it's a thing I can't wait <laughs> <laughs> i'm excited for where we're going obviously we're doing this on the eve of going into the third season which is a better season we are doing things a little bit differently i think if, if you haven't listened if you haven't picked up from listening to us talk just now on this uh we think third season's going in a lot better places than these first two seasons are these last two seasons we've had a part of the podcast has been what would we fix for this everything that's stupid and fucked up and dumb about star trek deep space nine <laughs> how would i fix this episode and not always all of it's bad. There's some great stuff, but that's been one of the segments in the podcast. Going forward, we're going to have less of that, but we're going to have more room for our listeners and people that we know, you know, like people like Courtney or whoever is listening to this right now. You can tell us when we're wrong, what you think about things. And so we'll have a segment for that. So, And we also have a number that you can call if you're in the United States and you're not incurring ridiculous long, long distance charges. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in the New York area, it's free. Or you can whip out a calling card. I don't know if that's like. <laughs> yeah. If you could find one uh, of those. So calling yeah, you can call us at 917 917- Four zero eight three eight nine eight. I specifically want to hear with old people. If you're from the greatest generation, and yeah, not, yeah, not, not the podcast, but like you know, if you're a hundred, <laughs> yeah. like fuck those guys. If you, and have, you can tell them we said. If so. you have personally killed a Nazi, please call us. Oh yeah, yeah. Nine one seven four zero eight three eight nine eight. If you're international, like we've had, you can record something and send it to us. Don't go crazy. We're not going to play your 20-minute call. Rules of Acquisition podcast at gmail.com. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Check robot voice. Robot voice yeah. at the end of this episode. Or, will or tell whatever. You. But we will personally, yeah, we'll personally debate 
your your question and answer, and Will will probably be nice about but, it. Yeah, thanks again to Courtney Bowen to come on. We, we might have yeah, her thanks, on later. Guys. This has been great. Fun. This was fun. This was uh, yeah, this yeah. was great. We need to do this again. All right, this is Hugh, and I uh, I'm not on this episode this week, but I will sign you off with three to beam out. Nine one seven four zero eight three eight nine eight. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes. Please follow us on Twitter at AcquisitionPod and on Tumblr at the Rules of AcquisitionPodcast.tumblr.com. Merry Christmas to all. Over two millennia ago, a new hope was born into the world, a savior who would offer the promise of salvation to all mankind. Just as the three wise men did on that night, this Christmas heralds a time to celebrate the good news of a new king. That is not a weird thing to say, right? That is a normal thing that functioning democracies say all the time, right? I mean, we are supposed to look at a president as a messianic king, this is fine. 9174083898